Please turn with me in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Our text tonight will be verses 5 to 14. <clears throat> we had began this new section last Wednesday. We were talking about the two particular questions that were asked in the latter part of chapter 6. They really boil down to these two questions of what is good for man and what will happen to man during his time here. That's really what's in view. So that is much of the question that we're looking at tonight is what is good for man while he is here on earth? The answer is not really what we would expect. Just as we had begun this section last week with looking at the wisdom in the house of mourning and how the house it's better to go to a house of mourning than it is to a house of feasting because it's in the time of sorrow and of mourning. Maybe someone has passed away or the difficult times of life. It's better to go to that kind of a setting because it's there that you have the more reflection upon life and who you are and what you're doing before the Lord and walking before the Lord. There is great wisdom there, good spiritual reflection that is in the house of mourning. That is very antithetical to what we would expect. Uh, and, and so continuing this, what answering that question, what is good for man? What else is good for us while we are here? And again, the answers are not really what we would expect. It's not about having a long-lasting life and riches and material things and, and a bunch of, of friends to surround you and tell you everything that you want to hear, all of, all of that. It's, that's not what's good for us. Solomon, the preacher, here in verses 5 through 14 is really giving us a, a list of Proverbs to reflect upon those questions of what is good for man and what will become of him while he's here. They're in no particular order, but these are the wisdom sayings of Solomon that answer those two questions. What is good for man and what will become of him while he's here? Now, again, we expect to, to see certain things contained in the passage when it comes to when it, you know, the, the summary of life. What, what is it? You know, what, what's going to be good for us? Again, it's, it's not any great advancement in science that we would expect the, the wisest man of the earth to have. Uh, it's not anything that uh, he would uh, bring out to us that... This is exactly what you need in order to ha live the happy life, have this particular thing or this particular group of people or any of that. Uh, you would expect, you know, again, maybe great advancements that Solomon would uh, disclose there on how to live a, a longer life and, and to avoid death. But that's not what's on his mind. That's not what, that's not what he thinks by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That is good for man. Because whether you have great advancements in science and you can prolong uh, death and all of this, what is the lot of every man anyway? 
It's death. It's going to come regardless. And no matter how long that you live and how many things you can come up with to live longer, <clears throat> your time here is still but a shadow in comparison to eternity. So those things really aren't the important things that Solomon wants to disclose, not even hit on, touch on. Because life is still but a shadow compared to eternity. So what makes for a better life? What does make for a better life? And this is where we need to give our attention to the words of Solomon here to understand what he is writing to his readers here of how to live the better life. How to live the life of being fulfilled, a life of joy, a life of meaning, a life that is honoring to God, and a life that enjoys Him in the present. And let us consider then the words of Solomon and give our attention uh, to the words that he has penned here by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. If you would, please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Reading verses 5 to 14 of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, authoritative, infallible word. Verse 5. It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than for one to listen to the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorn bushes under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. And this, too, is futility. For oppression makes a wise man mad, and a bribe, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask about this. Wisdom along with a good inheritance, or excuse me, wisdom along with an inheritance is good and an advantage to those who see the sun. For wisdom is protection, just as money is protection, but the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the lives of its possessors. Consider the work of God, for who is able to straighten what he has bent? In the day of prosperity, be happy, but in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other, so that man will not discover anything that will be after him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these words that we have just read of your holy word. And we ask that the spirit of God would apply them to our hearts, give us understanding, opening our minds, Father, to understand the purpose of these words. That what is written here is for our instruction, it is for our good, it is to help us to navigate through this life in a way that honors you. And any life that is lived to honor you is a life that is truly filled with meaning and purpose and joy. Father, bless the preaching of your word. May it accomplish all you desire in us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's children said, amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Again, these, these proverbs here are in no particular order. It's Solomon, again, considering things, pinning them down, answering the questions that he himself has asked. 
what is good for man? And the answer to that very question is covered in verses 1 to 12. We've already been over the first four. Interestingly, uh, last Wednesday, again, uh, what is good for man is to have good spiritual reflection upon his life and upon his purpose, upon how he is walking before the Lord. And a lot of times that is done, as Solomon points out here, in, in the scope of death, in view of death, in the time of mourning, you know, a loved one, a friend. And then he goes on. What else is good? And what he says here really sums up as correction is good. Rebuke is good. This is a very unpleasant experience to be rebuked or to be corrected. No one really likes to endure that sort of thing. But Solomon is saying here that this is good. He says it's better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than for one to listen to the song of fools. Again, think of the contrasts that are there. It's better to have someone come up to you who is wise, wise in life, wise in the word of God, wise in understanding concerning the things of God, to come to you and say, brother, sister, this is wrong in the sight of God, how you're living or what you've said or, or how you've done this action over here towards this person. We don't like that. Immediately, we get very defensive. That's usually what happens. We get very defensive. But think of how much better having that in your life is than having people to surround you and be like, man, you didn't do anything wrong. Everything's good. You need to just don't worry about other people. You do your thing. You just worry about what you're doing. If they don't like it, they don't like it. They can whine, complain. It doesn't matter. Think of, think of that kind of a foolish saying being uh, propagated to somebody. What kind of life will they live thereafter? A life that is self-serving. A life that is very selfish. A life that uh, is very abrasive, offensive to others because they don't know uh, they don't know or have a foundation for what is good and right. They do what's wise in their own sight, which always leads to folly. It leads to harm. It leads to hurt. It leads to corruption. And we'll look at that in just a moment. But think of how much better it is to have someone that comes to you to correct you for the better. It's unpleasant, but it is for your betterment. And this is exactly how the Lord treats us as well. I mean, if you look in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, this is talking about the, the chastening of the Lord, but listen to what it results in. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. That's what discipline does. That's what correction does. That's what rebuke can bring about. When it's from someone who is wise, who is coming to you with true, true wisdom from God. It's good to receive rebuke. It's good to receive correction regardless of, of our age, regardless of where we're at in life. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. If we're in the wrong, it's good to have people to come alongside of us. Otherwise, we are not taught. Otherwise, we remain in ignorance. And Solomon had said 
in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2, a fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. That's what a fool desires. And if you have people that surround you that only give heed to what you think and whatever, then you're going to remain in ignorance, and then that brings about harm. That brings about all kinds of other sin. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. And sometimes that counsel comes in the form of correction, of rebuke. But Solomon is saying, this is good. Because you're being trained in righteousness. When you have someone, because the implication here is that someone who is wise, who is coming to rebuke you, it, they're, they're wise according to the word of God. They're wise according to the ways of God. And they're coming to you. They're, they're offering correction. It's unpleasant. But afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. It trains you in righteousness. How to live before God in a way that is honoring to him. Because that is the purpose of all of God's people. That wisdom and the rebuke, all of that brings maturity to the people of God. It does. It matures us. We get, we get angry. I can't believe that person said that to me. Or how dare they? Who do they think that they are? We come up with um, a lot of little sayings like that because we're upset. But we'll see one of the other key ingredients that needs to be there in the people of God in order to receive rebuke and correction as we should. But remaining in ignorance, remaining uh, with the song of fools surrounding you, he says it's futility and having the pressures of life and remaining in ignorance and being a fool it's very easy then for things like oppression uh, to cause you to stumble if you're not mature, spiritually mature, but remain in your own ignorance. Oppression makes a wise man mad. You know, that's not a very difficult thing to just consider a few examples. You know, you, you think of folks that are... <coughs> You know, that are going through a real tough time. And uh, they, they, they start saying all kinds of just off-the-wall things, uh, questioning the very goodness and the character of God. give you an example. Um, there was um, a family member who was getting ready to pass away. And i got to be careful. There was another younger family member who was very close to this one this person uh, who was getting ready to pass away and, and eventually did uh, that particular day um, but uh, they, they they were walking over and they were just so angry you know because the person had died and uh, I said you know what are you what are you so angry for and, and they said you know here my little girl is praying and asking God, you know, to save this person, or n not to save them, but to 
um, not allow them to die is the implication there. You know, not, you know to, to keep them alive and, and not allow them to die, and, and then what happens? He still allows them to die. You know, what, what is that? And I'm thinking, are you really saying that? Are you really going there? It doesn't matter how young the person is who is praying for this one. God doesn't honor a prayer simply because it's a young person or a little kid. He does according to his will in all of the host of heaven and all the realm of the earth. And what just happened is good because, as he says earlier, the day of one's death, if they're in Christ, is better than the day of one's birth. But because of immaturity... You have the pressure of someone that you love passing away, and then you begin to question all kinds of things when it comes to the goodness of God and the character of God. Why would he do this? How can this be? Or if something goes wrong, something goes wrong in one's life, I can't believe the Lord is doing this to me. You know, this is... This is awful. What did I do? What did I do to deserve this? And so when you're looking at just the difficulties of life that can impress upon one to begin questioning the goodness of God and the character of God, if you have an outside uh, group of people or whoever that is actually bringing oppression in that kind of a way and you have someone immature in the faith, think of what then it will happen. Uh, oppression makes a wise man mad. Wise according to the world, not according to the Lord. You have the pressures of bribery corrupting the heart. Again, uh, remaining in our own view of things and not allowing true wisdom to penetrate into the heart and into the mind to teach us and to grow us and to discipline us in order to ex endure the experiences of life. Somebody comes up, comes alongside and bribes you to take a shortcut in something. Bribes you with money to keep your mouth quiet about something. Or bribes you to do this or whatever. It, it's, it's amazing the people that are professing believers in some of the things that they do. And feel no remorse. Now we're all capable of doing terrible things. And when the terrible things happen that, that we say or that we do, the very thing that occurs is uh, sorrow. Recognizing that you've dishonored Christ, you've dishonored this person over here, you've done them wrong, but for many, they, they, don't, they don't give it a second thought. It's nothing. Why? Either one, they're not really converted, or two, they're very immature in the faith. And they're remaining in ignorance. And they won't seek wise counsel. And they do not receive rebuke. And so for that, bribe corrupts the heart. Oppression makes a wise man mad. When you surround yourself with the song of fools. 
So when it comes to receiving rebuke, receiving correction, are you willing to receive that? Are you willing to be corrected by another, to be disciplined by another? He'll have you responded wrongly when that did occur. That's the thing. You know, why, why would we not be willing to receive it? Oftentimes it's because of arrogance or pride. Arrogance or pride will say, you're not going to tell me whatever. This is, I know what I'm doing. I know, I know I, what I did. Or I had justifiable reasons to do it or whatever. We come up with a number of reasons not to receive genuine instruction and wisdom. So do you receive it? Are you willing to receive it? Now, a key ingredient to that is the very next thing that he says is good. Now, in verse 8, he says, The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. So this next little bit here is going to be about patience, endurance, long-suffering. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Now, there could be a number of things that are in view here. You begin a certain task. Maybe you, you, you have a projection of this is going to take me this long to do this particular task or to accomplish this thing in my life, and it's going to maybe take me a year. It's going to take me two years. Maybe it'll take me three months. Whatever the project is, the end of it is better than the beginning because at the beginning of it, you're thinking, I have so much to do. And I'm overwhelmed already before I even get started. But what then happens as you begin to just take one, one step, one more step, one more step, one more step. You're, you're being able to maintain your composure, to keep yourself in check, to endure the hardship, so that when you get to the end of it, there's that feeling of satisfaction, of relief whatever the case is, and throughout that process, regardless of how grueling it may have been, you were being disciplined and, and, and developing patience in your life. Patience is good. It's good to be patient. Uh, people say don't pray for patience. But I never quite understood that. Um, I heard that so many times uh, growing up. Don't don't ever pray for patience because if you do, the Lord will put things in your in your way, cause some hardships or difficulties in your life if you pray for patience. Well, he's going to do that anyway because he performs that which is appointed for me, and it's through the hardships that our faith grows and and we were matured in the faith and all of this sort of thing. But again, if you have this one view of things that you're taught, and whether it's tradition or whatever, and you remain in that, then you're missing out on the very things that God has uh, also to, to 
help us to have that, that more fulfilled life. And one of those, as he says here, is that of patience. Patience is good. Because anything worthwhile, any undertaking requires patience. Anything does. So you can't be one who uh, gets so overwhelmed in the sense that they can't even function. Because to be patient is to be long-suffering, it's to be slow to anger, it's to patiently endure a particular hardship, it's to be uncomplaining. Ooh. Uncomplaining, that's one of the definitions of that, uncomplaining. Mm. We like to complain a lot. It's what we do. We complain. I don't like this. I don't like that. That person said this. That person said that. This should have been here an hour ago. Whatever. Boy, we complain a lot. That is just something natural. According to our sinful nature. Is to complain. But one of the features, one of the characteristics of having patience is to be able, again, to endure the hardship without uh, running off uh, in anger, but to patiently endure. Patiently endure the hardship and to be uncomplaining. How often do you complain? You know, I was reading over this and then I was looking at those words and I'm like, I complain a lot. And I hear complaining a lot. But to be patient is to be uncomplaining as you endure the hardship. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. You know what impatient people do? Again, they like to allow their heart to be angry. It says, do not be eager in your heart to be angry. Don't just jump to anger because you're impatient over whatever, whatever is happening. You know, one of my biggest things, and I, I shouldn't even share this with you, but one of the times, and it's so ridiculous, but one of the times that I get so impatient is if I'm in a drive-thru. And if I'm in a drive-thru and I am relaying to the person on the other side of the speaker the 500 orders of my family, and, and I say it slowly because I understand we have a lot, I'm saying it slowly, and I'm trying to go through some of them, and they cut me off, and they make me start over again because they missed something, or they weren't listening. And, I, and usually my reaction is, and then I have to start over again. That's probably one of the most times. You know, dealing with other people is, is really not that difficult in one sense to me. I like to listen to people. I like to hear their point of view. I like to hear somebody else's point of view. 
and then just kind of mull it over in my mind, okay, if I was in that person's position, how would I think? If I was in this person's position, how would I think? Okay, well, let's come to a, a resolution here. Let's come to an understanding. You know, I, I'm not impatient when, it's com- when it comes to, to dealing with, with people and problems, but I am very impatient at a drive-thru. And how ridiculous is that? That's just ridiculous. <laughs> but that's where you can, you can look at passages like this and you can reflect back in your own life at some of the most ridiculous things and think, I really acted that way. I really was thinking what I, what I usually think is I really like to just jerk the speaker right off of that thing. Can you hear me now? But again, what does that bring? It just brings dishonor to Christ. It creates a haughty spirit. How dare you not hear me the first time I said it? How dare you not understand that I have a carload of people who are hungry? But we get very eager to allow our hearts to become angry over some of the silliest things. Some of the most silly things. I'm embarrassed to even tell you that, but there it is. My children know this because they're usually back in the back laughing at me. But patience of spirit is better than a haughty spirit. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Anger resides in the bosom of fools, he says. That's what fools do. They automatically jump right into anger mode. And what is that? What, what happens when you jump into anger mode? Then when it comes to the very first thing that we were talking about a moment ago about receiving correction for your betterment, you're unwilling. What is, what is necessary in order to be able to receive instruction and to receive rebuke, knowing that it is for your good and knowing that when people are saying something to you, even though it's unpleasant and we know the right, Instead of trying to justify it, we should be willing to receive it. And how do we do so? By keeping ourselves in check, allowing this quote-unquote hardship to endure in these moments in order that it would better us for the sake of Christ. Because that needs to be our goal. Whatever is necessary to help me in my walk with Christ, whatever is necessary to help me to honor Christ and not bring reproach upon Christ, That's what I need. I need people in my life to help me there, to correct me, to rebuke me when I'm in the wrong and not to try to justify it because of my prideful heart. He goes on, though. So it's better to have patience and spirit than a haughty spirit. Don't be eager to, to jump to anger, which many people do because they can't take instruction or correction. And he even labels that, saying that anger resides in the bosom of fools. But here's an area, too, where we're showing impatience. 
Maybe we don't see it that way. But here's what he says. Do not say, why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask about this. What's he saying? How people like to say, ah, the good old days. We didn't do that back then. We didn't talk like that. We didn't have all this, all these, these media uh, peoples, you know, saying the things that they do and try to promote this, this nonsense that they do back, back in my day or five years ago. Think of five, ten years ago in comparison to now. We like to say, I wish things could just go back. I wish we could just turn the clock back five years, ten years, whatever, when it was a little bit easier. And what are we saying when we say things like that? I'm impatient with the present. I really like the past. That's what we're saying. The past was better because I wasn't forced to be in certain situations in which I would have to be patient with this particular situation or this particular circumstance. I have no patience for the present. That's what we're saying. But here's the question then. Regardless of if, if we look back and we think how wonderful the days were prior, the fact of the matter is, is we're here in the now. And you have to skillful, skillfully navigate through the waters of today in order to honor Christ and to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So it doesn't do any good to keep looking back. You have to deal with what is here in the present. And you have to have patience for the things that we endure here in the present. And not have your, your, your mind constantly back 5, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever. There are things that, yes, we have to deal with, uh, perhaps in, in this present day that five, ten years ago we didn't, at least not to the extent maybe now. But if it wasn't these things that we're dealing with, it's going to be something else. Why? Because, one, we live in a fallen world, and we live among corruptible people. We live among unregenerate people. We live among enemies of Christ, and so... That darkness that is in the heart is going to manifest itself in one way or the other. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter uh, what things that we're dealing with now. If it weren't these, it'd be something else. So you still have to navigate through life in a way that Christ is not, not ha does not have reproach brought upon his name because of you, but rather can still be honored by you, even in view of the things of today. How can you do that? And in, in, in scenarios that, that we're facing today, how can you honor Christ and skillfully navigate through this world? You may have a particular job that requires certain things of you. You may have a particular family with certain family members that are, that are in some of the, the LGBT stuff. What are you going to do? How are you going to act? How are you going to honor Christ? 
have to have patience. That's going to be one of the main things that must be there is patience rather than being eager to allow your heart to be filled with anger. Anger is easy to do. And what, is it, what happens when you, when you begin to lash out because of something somebody says or whatever? What's going to happen? It just festers from there. It's not going to get any better because you tell somebody off. Or you tell them how you really feel about this. I had another family member. Man, we've got some good examples. I had another family member who was dating an unregenerate person. And this particular family member's sister had come up to this one who had a different belief system and really just come straight out and said, you're going to hell. And so when they were come back and were telling some of the others about this, they're very proud of themselves. Well, I told them. And it's basically saying to them either, either turn or burn, but I told them. They're very, again, very prideful. But what just happened when they said something that asinine? They just caused a big rift between them and that person where there is no dialogue. There is no conversation. There is no sharing of anything. Because you just cut it off. And you dishonored Christ in the process. Because while we, yes, the gospel contains good news and it contains bad news. But if you only give the bad news without telling them the good news that Christ died for sinners, even you. Did we really honor Christ in what we said? No. We did not. There has to be patience on our part to be able to listen, to hear what's being said, to form a proper response back in order that Christ is honored in what we say. Because here's the thing. Regardless of who people are and how they identify themselves, they are still image bearers of God. And so our arguments are never meant to tear the person down. The arguments that we present in defense of the Christian faith is to tear down, demolish their particular worldview, their ideas, their philosophy of life. That's what's being torn down, casting down all imaginations and every high and lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's what you're attacking. You're attacking their argument. You're attacking their worldview. You're not attacking the person. And how can you keep from doing that? You've got to have patience to understand that this is a lost person. They're unregenerate. And I need to be keeping myself in check that I can continue to have dialogue with them, plant a seed, water a seed, and perhaps God give the increase. We have to have patience even with the many that we don't agree with. I was talking to one guy today. He was very upset because somebody had called him today 
was, was cussing at him and uh, was questioning his character and all kinds of things like this. And he was on the phone. He was upset. And, you know, and, and I said, hey, man, I said, it doesn't matter what they said to you and questioning your character and questioning, you know, your, your, your integrity and any of that. What matters is, is that you know who you are. You know who you are. Christ knows who you are. Everybody that is around you knows your character and knows that what this man says was not at all true. So instead of dwelling on it and becoming even more angry, let it go. And remember, you don't have to answer to this man. You answer to the Lord. And you kept your composure. You kept yourself in check while this man was on the phone with you. And that it was a good thing. So let go what he said and just focus then on the knowledge of Christ and his knowledge of you. Have patience. Endure the hardship. That's what we got to do. And sometimes it's easier said than done by all means. I understand that. I get that. Sometimes are more trying than others. But what you have to have in your mind as this is happening is... Let me not bring reproach upon you for saying something that I shouldn't. If it's necessary that you're in the midst of something and you need to get, a, you need to get away, then do so. Come back later. I can't talk to you right now. I got to call you later. I got to talk to you later. Whatever you need to do in order to, to maintain who you are in Christ and pray the whole time, oh Lord, let me only bring honor to you. Because if you keep that in your mind, then that's going to keep you in check from saying something you shouldn't. When you allow that to go out and you're taking pleasure in the anger that you're having, you're going to say whatever. And in the moment, you're not going to care much. But being a child of God, you'll have to deal with the, the guilt and the sorrow thereafter. Patience is good. It's good to have. Patience is developed in us with, with, uh, with rebuke and with hardships, and it matures us. Having that kind of wisdom is, is necessary to navigate through life. And its importance is even, even said there. Wisdom along with in, an inheritance is good, and an advantage to those who see the sun. For wisdom is protection, just as money is protection, but the advantage of knowledge is the wisdom that preserves the lives of its possessors. Now, there's a comparison being made there. You know, let's say you have some kind of a hardship in life, something happens financially, maybe you have some savings, so that you're still, you're still in, a, in, a, in a place of being okay until... Something else comes. But in the meantime, you have to patiently wait. And so he's, he's making the comparison to say, just as it's good to have that, it's that kind of an advantage to have wisdom. That kind of wisdom to, to be able to, uh, to navigate, to, to wait patiently, maintain who you are in Christ, Keep yourself in check, endure the hardship, and patiently wait on the Lord.
Wisdom is good. Patience is good. Rebuke is good. What are the things that are good for man? Those are good for man. Those are good for us while we're here because it teaches us. It disciplines us. All for the purpose of godliness and walking through life in a manner that honors Christ. Let me walk in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. That's what we should be praying. In verses 13 to 14, he then begins to answer the second question. Here's what's good for man. What will become of us while we're here? And the answer that he gives really rests within the sovereignty of God. That's his answer. Because only God knows. He says, consider the work of God. For who is able to straighten what he has bent? Now, when you think of that particular phrase, that statement, it's resting in the sovereignty of God. Because what is, is ordained by God. And your lot in life is ordained by God. Because if he has caused some crooked places to be in our lot, we can kick against the goads and do anything else that we, that we can, but it's still going to be what God purposes it to be. Adversity is from the Lord. We need to recognize that. It, it is not by chance that something happens to us, some difficulty comes in our life. It's not because of the enemy being able to somehow thwart the God's protection over us and to cause something to happen in our life. It is God. Look what he says in the day of prosperity, be happy. Be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. The day of adversity and the day of prosperity are both, both ordained of God. So what do you do in the day of adversity? Should we not accept evil from the Lord and good? What Job says. And if you think about somebody who is really in a place of adversity, that's somebody you need to consider. If you have questions in your life of what did I do to deserve this, you need to look at that man. You know, when the Lord is talking back to Satan the second time that they meet, and the Lord makes a statement, something to the effect of, you, you've moved me to, to uh, respond to Job. Uh, in a, in a, in a, you moved me against Job without cause, is what he said. Did Job do anything wrong in that sense of what we would think to be wrong? No. He was the most righteous man in the, all the earth, is what, how the Lord described him to Satan. There's none like him in all the earth. Just an upright man. And what happened to him? He lost all his cattle. He lost servants. He lost his ten children. He lost much. But what does he say? The Lord has given. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because we accept the adversity as well as the days of prosperity 
recognizing that it is from the sovereign hand of God. And you can fight against it. But again, if there's, uh, if God has bent it, bent a circumstance in your life, you're not going to be able to straighten it. Only He can do that. Only He can bring relief. Only He can, can, can produce a, a different a circumstance in your life. Because He is the sovereign who does all things. God made the day of prosperity and adversity, and He did so so that man will not discover anything that will be after him. There are limitations that God has placed upon man. What will become of us while we're here? You can't know because God has placed limitations on us to understand what will be hereafter or what will be during our days. You're not going to be able to know. And so you have to navigate through life with the wisdom that we're talking about, being patient to endure, accepting rebuke in order to correct you and to help you to, to be more mature in the faith so that when the days of adversity come, you accept those just as you would in the days of prosperity. All of these things are connected together. In order to endure this life, it's necessary that we be matured in the faith. It's necessary that the Spirit of God produce patience in us. And a lot of times those things are caused by hardships that God places in our life to shape us and to mold us and to make us more like His Son. So don't despise the rebuke of others, especially when you know that they're right. When you know someone is right, be willing to receive what they're saying. Now granted, some people can say it better than others. But if you can get past however it's being presented to you and just begin to think what they're saying is true. And don't despise the rebuke of another if they're wise in the word of God. Don't be afraid to pray unto the Lord and ask him for patience in order to endure whatever it is whatever circumstance that you're experiencing at this present time. Ask the Lord for patience to help you in, in confronting the unbelieving world that is there, that he's going to be honored. And who knows what will happen? We don't, but we rest in the, sovereign, in the sovereignty of God that he does. And if we follow the path that he has laid out before us by the leading of the Holy Spirit in conjunction with his word, will be able to navigate well. Not to say that this isn't going to bring pain or, or suffering, but we will navigate in such a way that God will be honored in our suffering or in our pain, whatever he chooses to do. Knowing that nothing will happen other than what he has ordained to happen. Spurgeon says this, The sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which the child of God rests his head at night giving perfect peace. Sovereignty of God. So then, let us pursue, let us pursue true wisdom from the scripture, being able to receive true wisdom from others, and to be able to accept the days of adversity and the days of prosperity in such a way that God is honored in our lives.
Let's stand if you would, and we'll be dismissed in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this portion of your word, and thank you for the, the wisdom that is presented to us in these passages. It's very different from what we would perhaps think uh, in, in living a good life or a fulfilled life. Thank you that you help us to navigate in such a way that we can retain the joy of our salvation and look forward to the day of our death when we really begin to live with you. Let us remember that the hardships of this life, is, as the Apostle Paul says, this is momentary light affliction. It doesn't even compare with the glory that awaits. Let us remember these things that we can, can, that we can keep our composure Maintain ourselves in the days of adversity, especially in the days of adversity when, when dealing with others. Let us bring honor to your name, never reproach. Keep us close to you. And as one of our brothers have, has prayed often, increase our fear of you. That it would be indeed a motivator in our lives, recognizing how, how great majestic that you are, how holy that you are, uh, that we would want to walk in paths of righteousness even more so, Father, to honor you. Uh, thank you so much for your word and thank you for each person here and for the blessing that they are in my own life. Uh, be glorified in us. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's children said, amen. Thank you for your attention and you are dismissed.